coming to you from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios, this is The Right Hash. The Right Hash is brought to you by Slim Sweets and by Speedy Custom Sneakers. Now, let's spark it up with your hosts, Luke Nadkarni and Alex Thompson. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Right Hash, coming to you from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios across the great state of North Carolina. Back to a morning recording this week. It's Friday morning, May 13th, as we talk about this. We're a little over a week, two weeks, I should say, removed from the NFL draft. College baseball season coming to a regular season conclusion. Still lots of baseball to be played. Playoff hockey, playoff basketball. Uh, lots of just really underrated time for sports, in my opinion. Luke Ned Carney, Alex Thompson here with you. And Alex, we kind of talked about this off air. Sort of the last month or so of tons of sports becomes it before it just becomes wall to wall baseball. Yeah, and uh, as, as you were as you were giving us the, uh, the the welcome in, I realized we coincidentally landed on Friday the thirteenth for this show. Um, so good luck, everyone. Uh, but yeah, uh, enjoying this little bit of, you know, playoff basketball, playoff hockey, um, free agency, NFL draft remnants before, like you said, we just default into baseball for the next month or so after that in sadness, but then spring, uh, spring football arrives and everything is good again. Yeah, definitely. And lots of good playoff series going on uh, in both the NBA and NHL. We'll focus on hockey today uh, when it comes to that. That'll be a little little bit later on in this show. We'll talk some NBA next show. Hope we get Armand Kuchecki on here. Um, Suns Mavs series, really good. Uh, Bucks advancing over the Boston Celtics. Um, If I had to put money on it, I would probably put money on a repeat for Giannis and the boys. But um, before we before we don't oh, get too deep he, into it, but he can't he can't get past Grant Williams. I don't know, man. I don't know, Giannis. Hard to hard to uh, yeah. I know we have a lot. We'll have, have a lot. We have some Tennessee talk to to get to too. Speaking of that, uh, with yeah. some some college baseball later on in our our second quarter, but our first quarter today, of course, going to be the NFL. Uh, there have been some other free agent signings. There's still some prominent free agents that came out or, or you know that are still available and the uh, this. Schedule came out yesterday as well, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that uh, as there was a a right hash clash will be starting us off for the 2022 season. But I think the most prominent free agent signing since the draft happened comes with Smoke Monday's new team, uh, the New Orleans Saints, who picked up a a good supplement for Smoke Monday in the secondary by signing the Honey Badger himself, Tyron Matthew. Yeah, really, I mean, obviously he fits there. He played at LSU, so uh, it kind kind of that, you know, his career kind of coming back full circle. Cool for him to wind back up there in New Orleans and uh, should should fit into a really a, a really stout New Orleans defensive backfield with uh, uh, Chauncey Gardner-Washington, I believe, is back there. Gardner-Johnson. Um, Gardner-Johnson. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who Gardner-Washington is. But, you know, they've got a couple of Ohio State guys back there, I believe. Uh, na- names are escaping me. It's nine thirty in the morning here, so still still getting that caffeine into the bloodstream. But Marshawn Lattimore is one. I know that. Yeah, yeah. Th- there you go. Um, that that th- they're not as they're not as stout across their their linebacking core. So I like that they're really stiffening up their their defensive backfield. 
Especially yeah. in a division with Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. You need those defensive backs everywhere. And you're also in a division with Robbie Anderson, too. I mean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah Got to be careful when you're talking about the, the dangerous duo of Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. <laughs> well, no, that's a good point, though, because the Saints' identity for so long was that offense, the, the, the passing offense. You know, the Superdome making it perfect for Drew Brees to just stand back there and throw darts. And last year we saw a little bit of this, but it looks like the Saints are gravitating toward a more defensive image. And they hired Dennis Allen, who's a defensive coach. I should say they promoted him. They didn't even go out of out of house for their new head coaching hire. Yeah, a um, l- little bit of a changing of the guard. I-, I think this is more just to do with the fact that they don't have that that legendary Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. Um, also that they have that, like that weird contract thing still going on with Michael Thomas, where it seems like he's kind of been hurt, kind of just not wanted to play kind of, they haven't made him play because they hope to keep him. Um, it just a really weird saga with Michael Thomas. Um, hopefully they just kind of get all that back under control this year. They still, they still need, in my opinion, a quarterback. I like Jameis, but that they keep signing them to like one or two year deals. And that just doesn't signal to me someone that they have a lot of belief in. That's not someone that they're looking to uh, hitch their wagon to, so to speak. Um, I think they're really looking for that guy. And uh, uh, I just got, I got a gut feeling. We might want to watch out for the saints and Baker Mayfield. Yeah. I mean, he's still unsigned. One of those, one of those quarterbacks that's not sure where he's going to play next year. I still think even if that happens, I think Jameis still wins the job. I think I think this year he's he's the guy. I think this is probably a case of the Saints setting up for that uh, that better class next year without tanking, if that makes sense. You know, they're just kind of going to ride with Jameis, and then they're going to look in this quarterback class. Which, if you look at this year's class compared to 2023's class, I mean, it's no contest as to what class you'd want to be picking in. And, and to be fair, we haven't seen Jameis play with good New Orleans receivers. His best receiver, and I, I don't mean this to slight him because I really like him, but his best receiver last year was Marquez Callaway, um, and it was his first year playing, really, last year. Him and uh, Traquan Smith and Deontay Harris. That that was his receiving core that he had to work with when he was healthy. Um, and, of course, Alvin, Alvin Kamara, uh, so, somewhat um, – uh, oh, man – that uh, their other quarterback, who's their tight end, his name is once again escaping me. Early, early morning brain, but um, Taysom he Hill. just didn't. Taysom Hill, there you <laughs> go. Thank you. Just didn't have a lot to to work with, and I think getting Michael Thomas back, drafting Chris Olave, that that this this should be a good representation of what Jameis Winston is capable of if he can stay healthy this year. And for all the talk about the the NFC West. Or sorry, the AFC West. I mean, the AFC South, or the NFC South, early morning brain here too. Um, I don't think it's as deep. I don't think it's as good. But I think you're going to have a pretty fierce competition with the Saints and the Bucks at the top. Fierce? I don't know. I, I, I think, I think, I think, you know, we saw Brady lose a step last year. I think, I think this is a good chance for the Saints defense to catch up. I mean, if by lose a step you mean like barely not make it to the second round of the playoffs, I guess I guess you could say that. But um, I I don't know. I, I don't think that there's any team in the NFC South that's in the same uh, solar system with the the Bucks. Per- personally, not this year. Um, 
I just don't think any of the teams have a quarterback that matches up, even with 45-year-old gonna uh, already has his broadcasting deal, Tom Brady. <laughs> um, yeah, what if he sucks? What if he sucks at broadcasting? What's Fox going to do? There's no way he's going to suck at broadcasting. I know. I know there's no if... way. <laughs> well, and, and if he does, I mean, that that's probably still one of the more effective ways that Fox has burned money in the last 10 years. So, um, I mean, it... There's no way it can go wrong. There's no. There's literally no way you can go wrong by having Tom Brady's brand with you. So, uh, I'm just surprised he's done it already. We saw it kind of take Peyton a little bit. To, you know, I think he kind of enjoyed his life for a year or two before he jumped back into doing everything. And um, Tom Brady just seems to be a real busybody and not. I guess he just doesn't want to spend time with his family. I don't know. I guess he's or he's just he's a workaholic. I mean, like. And this is his job. You know, he works at football, basically. He just wants yeah. to do football his whole life. And you know, some people are like that. You know, you're John Madden's of the world. You know, you're uh, you're you're Pat Summerall's of the world. Uh, and I, I mean, shoot, man, like we're we're probably be doing our 50th anniversary show, uh, 50 year anniversary right hash show back in 2072, and Tom Brady's still going to be commentating on football games. Yeah, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I I understand it. We we all love football too, but. Man, that's 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 just a lot of time of your life uh, to to commit to it. Considering, I mean, what he was twenty years old when he was drafted, and we're talking about he's he's got he's contractually signed. Even if he just retires this year, he has a contract until he's fifty five years old. That's pretty awesome, man. I want that kind of job security. <laughs> I, but is it even job security if you don't need a job? Like, I don't know. Man. It's just he, he doesn't he doesn't need money. I don't know what. I don't, I don't know where it goes. Is he going to help pay Harbaugh at Michigan? I, like I don't, I don't know what that be. money's going to be for. Keep an eye for the the Tom Brady Player Development Center coming at the University of Michigan <laughs> in five to ten years. But um, the Tom Brady NIL Collective. <laughs> a couple other a uh, couple other free agent signings that have happened also um, on the defensive side of the ball out west. Uh, this could be a very annoying signing for the other NFC or AFC West teams, the Chargers or the Chiefs, the Raiders, and the Broncos, because the Chargers signed Kyle Van Noy, former Patriot, former teammate of Tom Brady, former Bill Belichick player. Um, but that's another one of those free agent signings that happened as well. And also Sony Michelle going back home uh, to Miami, signing with the Dolphins. And let's talk a little bit about the Dolphins running back room. Uh, you've got Raheem Mostert, uh, former Mike, you know, plays play, re, reuniting with Mike McDaniel. Uh, you've got Sony Michelle and also Chase Edmonds, who they brought in in free agency as well. Uh, so I don't want to call it a three-headed monster, but you've got a lot of guys who can carry the ball. Who do you think is going to emerge out of this group? I I don't know if anyone emerges out of this group. I think they're I think that they're all kind of specialized. There's probably a little bit of overlap between what Mostert and um chase Edmonds do probably a little bit of overlap but i i like Edmonds out of the backfield more than all those other players so if, if they go to a little bit more of that you know I, I don't even know what to call the offense anymore but it's kind of just a lot of it happens in the backfield a lot of it happens with motion in the backfield um i i, I anticipate them using that offense with waddle and Tyreek Hill, a lot of motion in the backfield, get the defender's eyes moving. I see Chase Edmonds fitting into that offense better than these other two guys. But 
Sonny Michelle is the best pass blocking running back they have now, bar, bar none. So if, if they decide to go a little bit more of a traditional passing attack, have Tyreek Hill be their deep threat, have Jalen Waddle be their short threat, I could see Sonny Michelle getting a lot more playing time protecting the often injured Tua Tagovailoa. And it's almost like running backs like this have a longer shelf life than your so-called feature backs because, I mean, they're simply not carrying the ball as much and they're not getting hit as much. The workload isn't as high. It's almost like we've seen Chase Edmonds be relevant in someone's offense, you know, first being the Cardinals, now possibly the Dolphins, because he doesn't have to carry the ball as much. Yeah, as long as you don't need – I mean, he – he he's fumble, he's had some fumbling issues. I, I would compare him similarly to Antonio Gibson, although I think Antonio Gibson pound for pound is better. Um, I, I just would compare what he does to Antonio Gibson. Uh, we saw him get thrust into the limelight uh, upon the departure of David Johnson in Arizona, and he 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 did really well. You know, as good as you can with what Arizona had to give him. Um, he probably got buried in the news because he was in Arizona, but he had very efficient years and uh, he's going to be in an offense that has a lot of weapons and probably going to give him a lot of room and space to work with out of the backfield. So uh, should be an interesting player. I think Raheem Mostert probably takes running back three out of this group though, which is, which is strange because he's already, he's kind of did that in San Francisco and it seemed like every year he emerged as as the primary, either because of injuries or because he just he plays well. Part of me wonders if they're going to even have a Debo Samuel role in this offense uh, with all these running backs. And you know, I, I, I we've talked about this before. I don't think they're going to thrust Tyreek Hill into that role. Um, so you you you, you never you really know. There's just so many moving parts on this Miami offense, and pro- probably the team I'm most looking forward to watching, other than my own team, simply because of what they've done. Uh, this offseason. It kind of reminds me of what Washington used to do when I was a kid, just kind of load up on free agents and uh, available players and you know, see, see what works, I guess. And of course, for Washington, not a whole lot worked. But uh, I mean, I, I think I think Mike McDaniel has at least a, a lot of a lot of upside uh, in what he's got in Miami this first year. I mean, that, that there's a there's a lot of validity to that strategy, um, especially post draft when you know, you, you kind of have a clearer picture of what your roster needs from the free agent market. Um, re- real quick, I, I did this, uh, I want to say about a month ago, I'm going to re re-go through the available free agents, the notable ones, at least to me. This is as of the ninth when I was doing this list, so um, I know a guy or two has signed, but Odell Beckham Jr., Akeem Hicks, Julio Jones, Jadavion Clowney, Gronkowski, Dwayne Brown, Ndamukong Sue, Jarvis Landry, Melvin Ingram, Kyle Fuller, T.Y. Hilton, Jerry Hughes, Eddie Goldman, J.C. Treader, Linval Joseph, Larry Ogunjobi, Carlos Dunlap, Trey Flowers, Eric Fisher, Justin Houston, Sheldon Richardson, Bobby Massey, Riley Reef, Will Fuller, Landon Collins, Emmanuel Sanders, Chris Harris Jr., Jason Pierre-Paul, Jason Peters, A.J. Johnson, Anthony Barr, Eric Flowers, Kevin King, Xavier Rhodes. Those are the notable free agents still available, and Almost every single one of them has been to a Pro Bowl. Um, I just uh, a freakish amount of talent available on the free agent market right now. So uh, if your team has holes, don't fret. There's opportunities to still fill them with very quality players. couple guys I want to talk about who you mentioned there. First being Jerry Hughes. How the hell has this guy not been signed? 
he's he played, probably wants a lot of money. He probably does, but I mean, he's played <laughs> in. He's missed one game since 2012, and Amen. he's 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 got he's had he's, his his best pass rushing days are behind him, obviously. Um, but this is a guy who would provide a ton of leadership. I mean, if nothing else, and he, you know, his tackle numbers are lower than they used to be. Um, but I mean, just the, the durability of a guy who's been playing in the league for that long is something that jumps out at me about Jerry Hughes. He's just a guy who's been producing for so long. And another guy similar to that is Carlos Dunlap, who I, I think is a little bit older, but uh, he was on Seattle last year, provided some leadership again to a defense that didn't have a lot of talent and didn't have a lot of uh, you know people to steer it in the right direction. Uh, so out of those two names, I look for those guys to eventually get plucked uh, by somebody and to Landon Collins. There's actually been talk of him coming back to the commanders on a, a reduced deal as well. Uh, so uh, not sure if that's going to end up happening, but if that does happen, I would certainly welcome him back to Washington. Yeah. Uh, one of the names that sticks out very, very big to me. Uh, well, I guess two of them, Odell Beckham Jr. And T.Y. Hilton um, in such a wide receiver, heavy market with teams being kind of, you know, held at gunpoint to sign some of these, big time wide receivers to $25 million deals, AJ Brown, you know, I I'm surprised no one has snapped up either one of those two or even taken Julio on a one year deal um, just to provide a little bit of relief. Um, I, I, I assume we'll see OBJ snatched up here relatively quickly. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't quite know where yet. I, I think Indianapolis would be a great spot for him for a year. If he wants to just go on approve it, uh, don't exactly know what his health status is going to be for next year. Um, and T.Y. Hilton still has the burners. If he stays healthy, he still has the burners. So, I, and, and Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry is just one of those guys you kind of want in your locker room if you have a, a, a young receiving core um, and, and you want a leader to come in and set the tone. Uh, anyone who watched the Hard Knocks uh, Cleveland year knows what you're getting out of Jarvis Landry. Um from a leadership standpoint. And I, I, I would love to have him on the Jaguars personally. Yeah. Another team that I think uh, should be in the market for one of these free agent receivers is the Falcons. Uh, because I, I, I bet, I bet dollars to donuts that Desmond Ritter is going to be a starter at some point this season. And I yeah. think bringing in I, you know, Julio Jones is probably the pipe dream because he used to play there. Uh, but if you're a Falcons fan, but bringing in someone like, like an OBJ uh, somebody like that, Someone who you know you know is a proven pass catcher to to just kind of have it as a security blanket for a rookie quarterback who again I, I think is going to be the starter at some point this year. Uh, so I, I don't think we're getting 17 games of Marcus Mariota. Uh, so Atlanta is a team that I think should possibly be in the market for a receiver, and also the, the Panthers as well. We've talked about their receivers. Um, they're they've got they could possibly also have a rookie quarterback starting at some point this season. Uh, same kind of thing. Uh, they need to improve there. There are guys out there if, if the Panthers can sort of you know find find the cap space to do it. We'll probably see one of these guys wind up on the Patriots too. They are they're fairly wide receiver needy as well. Yeah, I they just Nikhil Harry never worked out. We hardly knew Jar- the Jarvis Landry is my my gut feeling for New England. He just kind of seems like a he just seems like he would fit perfectly with Mac Jones. Mac Jones ha- Mac Jones has a live arm, but his strength is in that you know, that, that moderate outside throwing uh, range. And Jarvis Landry has that in spades. That guy runs within 15-yard routes better than almost anyone in the NFL. 
so I could see him fitting into the Belichick system perfectly. And he's he's just kind of got that attitude that Belichick likes his receivers to have. Yeah, just that that kind of like devil may care attitude. You know, kind of yeah, like just, that, that. It seems like every like a very lunch pail type of guy. Yeah, every every Patriots receiver seems like that that junkyard dog. It's like they have the, yeah. one of the same archetype the whole time. It, it, like, exactly. Like Except a, for this guy's just a little bit darker than the ones they normally <laughs> like to throw out there. Think of guys like uh, Dion Branch, uh, like David Givens, yeah. Uh, yeah. David Patton, dudes like that. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, following the right hash. I'd like to thank Speedy Custom Sneakers, Slim Sweets, and of course our man Zach Burhans for the opening voiceover. Uh, still a little time here in the first quarter, and the schedule came out last night, and we're going to be treated to a right hash clash on September 11th, the 21st anniversary of uh, the 9/11 attacks. Is opening day, or for opening day for most of the NFL teams. Of course, you have the kickoff Thursday, which will be the Rams at the Bills on September 8th. Uh, but Jacksonville coming to Washington, yeah, that's going to be an awesome matchup. NFL pulling no no punches uh, early on, but Jacksonville, Washington, Trevor Lawrence opens his second season, uh, and actually one of the underrated storylines I think in this game uh, that not a lot of people are going to be paying attention to is Brandon Sheriff, who played in Washington uh, for seven years, is going to be taking on his old team as a member of the Jaguars. And Andrew Norwell is the same exact way. Just switch everything you just said. Yeah. Um, well, well all, the Jags and Commanders just traded guards in the offseason, basically. Uh, just both guys needed a, a fresh start. Um, yeah, they, clear, just, they did not trade. They were both free no. agents, but they swapped, essentially. They, they, they essentially swapped. Yeah. Them. But yes, yes, they did not actually commit a trade. Uh, this is, this is going to be a fun game. Um, you know, a, a, as much as I like to, you know, talk shit about Carson Wentz, I, I, as we were texting live when this kind of came out, it just kind of dawned on me. This is this is probably going to be a Carson Wentz revenge game. Uh, the last game he played literally got him cut from his team. Uh, he's been the the laughing stock of uh, in, in Indianapolis, Jackson, the whole AFC South, really the whole NFL landscape since since that game, losing to Jacksonville and missing out on the playoffs because of it. Um, literally had his head coach writing apology letters to the GM. It was so bad. Um, and he's, he's got, he's got a fresh start. Um, I don't, I don't think what Washington has on offense is better than what he had on offense in Indianapolis. Uh, I think he's got a, you know, uh, and I, I'm not going to say that they're bad. I just think that he has a downgraded offensive line and a downgraded running back, um, compared to what he had in, Indy, but I think he gets a primary receiver upgrade. Uh, Scary Terry is better than any wide receiver they have in Indianapolis, but outside of that, I'm not sure he has a whole lot more to work with comparatively, and the Jaguars completely stumped him last year. I mean, the whole team really got stumped, but I I just kind of see this happening. This is a typical Jaguar storyline where we beat Carson Wentz and make him look like shit, and then Lo and behold, he gets traded to the team that we just happened to be opening the season with uh, the next year. I feel like he's probably going to have 400 yards, four touchdowns, maybe one on the ground. Um, just an absolute drudging of the Jaguars, and then the wheels will fall off the rest of the season. Yeah, one, one in 16, the mark for uh, mark for Washington. <laughs> no, I'm exactly. just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, I mean, Washington, much easier schedule than they've had in the past. 
Uh, they get Jacksonville and Detroit to start the year before Philadelphia comes to town as Wentz will face his former team. And then week 10, they'll go to Philadelphia on Monday Night Football. I'm sure that the Philly fans will have a wonderful welcome planned uh, for their former quarterback. Uh, but less of that, more of just this game. Uh, a couple guys I'm really excited to watch on the Washington side. First is Curtis Samuel, only played in three or four games last year. Uh, didn't even feel like that uh, with his his core muscle injury and surgery. It's almost like his second first year in Washington. We'll really get a chance to see what he can do opposite Scary Terry. And the other guy I'm going to keep an eye on is Brian Robinson Jr., the third-round pick out of Alabama. Um, Antonio Gibson's not going to have to be the every down back, I don't think, this year. J.D. McKissick also comes back into the fold. But with Brian Robinson, they got a short yardage back. If Washington's in goal-to-go situations, fourth and one where they really need to convert, third and one, this is who they're going to be giving the ball to. Uh, and they traded for the pick that allowed them to take him, which means he's going to be playing right away. So I I'm, I'm, could not be more excited to watch Brian Robinson go to work for the Commanders. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how much work he gets in literally his first game. Um, I think a lot, a lot of that will be dictated by how he plays in the preseason games uh, leading up to that. Um, for, from the Jag side, obviously, I guess what I'm interested in is all the new faces we've added. We've added a brand new receiving core. Uh, we're finally, hopefully going to get to see Travis Etienne hit the field, um, and, and see how he looks alongside Trevor Lawrence. Uh, we're going to get to see Evan Ingram, a couple of new offensive linemen, and then the, the trio of linebackers that we took in the draft along with Trevon Walker, uh, a whole new, brand new look defense, um, a new, a new defensive scheme, um, and a, a new head coach. So a, a lot of debuts are happening on the Jaguar side and really on the Washington side, really the only big debut is Carson Wentz. So it's kind of just a, you know, it's, it, it's a little bit of a opposite day. Really. It, it seems like the only guy that is not making his debut for Jacksonville is Trevor Lawrence. It seems like everyone else is, even though we've got plenty of returning starters, it just kind of seems like that's the only cornerstone guy that we have that's returning everything else feels unknown and new which after last season i am okay with new yeah i mean it almost feels like a college game doesn't it like you've got so many like freshmen who you're yeah. trying to trying to figure out what you've got with them i yeah freshmen and juke freshmen and transfers it seems like is what the jaguars have loaded up on um i'm interested to see what the receiving core looks like obviously we've We've had it, you know, kind of led by DJ Chart for the last four or five years, and he's gone. Uh, we retain uh, Marv Marvin Jones Jr. and um, Jamal Agnew, add Christian Kirk, uh, add Zay Jones, add, like I said, Evan Ingram to the pass catchers. And uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's going to be interesting. I'm not going to say it's going to work week one, but I do expect to, to see a noticeable difference going from Urban Meyer to – Doug Peterson, who's won a Super Bowl and made Carson Wentz an MVP. Yeah, and Foye Aluakon also in the on the defensive yeah. side of the ball, playing his first yep. game for uh, – he had a good game against Washington when he was in Atlanta last year, so he's somebody that the, the commanders will have to, to keep an eye on as we move down toward the end of our first quarter. Any, any other games on the schedule that jumped out at you with the release last night? I really like the Thanksgiving lineup this year. Uh, you got Buffalo at Detroit, uh, the Giants at Dallas – which I think the, for the first time on Thanksgiving. Then New England, Minnesota is the, the nightcap a little. A little bit of a curveball there. I haven't seen that one. I haven't really seen those two teams on Thanksgiving really a lot recently. I, I 
I like wherever revenge games are scheduled. That, that's one of my personal favorite things. So, like, week one, Buffalo and Rams. That's a Von Miller revenge game. Von Miller now in Buffalo going back up against his Super Bowl winning team, the Rams. Uh, really interested in just kind – of, I love those type of storylines throughout the season where you have a player that gets to go up against his old team that, you know – it's not like Von Miller got shafted by the Rams. It's not like they did him dirty. They brought him in and gave him a Super Bowl. Um, but it's one of those where they decided he wasn't worth paying what he wanted. And there's always a chip on a guy's shoulder whenever that happens. That's just how they're wired. That's how they succeed. So I love those type of games. On the Jaguar schedule, the one I've got circled, I think a lot of Jaguars fans have it scheduled. Um, week 8 in London against Denver. Uh that that's that's going to be a that that's going to be the game that tells us how the rest of the season goes. Uh, Denver with Russell Wilson, but maybe without Jerry Judy, we'll, we'll kind of see where the where the, where that lands. But I, I think that's the one that I have scheduled. We play the whole AFC West, so I don't have a lot of designs on enjoying this season, honestly. <laughs> but uh, well, well, we we end the season with Jets, Texans, and then the Titans. So. Um, we have a chance to go out on a strong note. Yeah, and I, speaking of the Broncos, Russell Wilson returns to Seattle in week one on Monday Night Football. There, uh, yeah, another there another case of the NFL just being like, all right, here you go. We're not messing it. around. Yeah, me too. I, That'll be fun. I love that. That'll be fun. As the horn sounds on quarter number one, a long quarter number one here on the right hash. Always plenty of football to get to. Uh, the, the thing I've learned is there's always more football to talk about. Uh, in the uh, several months, we can always show. We can find it, man. We can find <laughs> stuff to talk about for thirty minutes. No, no doubt about it. But beginning the second quarter here, moving over to the diamond. This will be a, a shorter quarter, uh, just so you know. Um, definitely not as much to talk about on the SEC baseball front uh, as there is on the NFL front. But Georgia and Tennessee playing a series right now. Game one uh, last night went the way of the Vols. Uh, three solo home runs for Tennessee. Uh, Georgia got a home run from Connor, or excuse me, Cole Tate as well. Uh, just a solo jack as well. But um, Tennessee, really good pitching. Um, Chase Do- Dolander uh, would just mowed down Georgia, really was in control all night. Uh, the bullpen held on. Uh, but, you know, coming into the game, I was thinking, you know, as long as Georgia limits Tennessee's home runs to solo home runs, they'll be okay. And all the Tennessee's home runs were solo homers, but still, you know, the Vols, for all the talk about the hitting, the pitching has been pretty darn good too. Yeah, I think that's the that that's going to be our saving grace when our hitting goes through slumps as we have, uh, you know, the, the bullpen you mentioned, Chase Burns coming in. He's been our Friday starter every single Friday this year until this Friday where we just decided to give him a little bit of a, a, little bit of a break. Um, I, I don't know if we'll see him again this series. He pitched two or three innings last night. Uh, in relief of Chase Dolander. Looked good. Um, good to have him out there. Uh, re- just a really good game. Um, you know, n- nothing nothing overwhelmingly exciting unless you count that kind of MLB The Show style bat flip that we had from Blake Burke. Um, but it, it was one of those... It, it was one of those games that was just decided by the couple of solo shots. Other than that, it was, it was close. And that's kind of the issue that I've been having with Tennessee's... Uh, uh, batting order recently is they just they've been really struggling to get on base consistently, and when they have been, they've really struggled knocking in some runs. So it was nice to see a couple of manufactured type of runs last night. But 
still get getting most of our production from from solo shots. I'm I'm really really excited about tonight's matchup because the, the, these are the two preseason aces for the clubs. You've got Blade Tidwell for Tennessee, who projected first round pick, and we've got Jonathan Cannon, who you know his his last name holds up. He he has a cannon. He is going to be a first round pick as well. This is pro. This might be, might be the best pitching matchup across baseball the entire season so far. Uh, just in, in terms of the prospects we're watching, um, both of, like I said, both of them projected first round. Uh, I I I can't wait to see it. This has been such a good series. I think Georgia is better than their record, but. Their lineup just isn't as potent as you would hope it would be. Yeah, this dogs have struggled with some injuries. Cole Tate, who hit the homer last night, missed three weeks uh, with a foot injury. Uh, Cannon's missed some time this year uh, on the on the mound. He's uh, fifty eight strikeouts, six walks. Uh, so expect expect a lot of gas tonight. Expect a lot of strikeouts both ways. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, Georgia is just a team that finds ways to win games. Uh, they've done it all season. Uh, they've given up maybe twice as many home runs in SEC play as they've hit. And last night, the bugaboo was just not being able to get guys in the way Tennessee did. Uh, Georgia was one for six with runners in scoring position. And I think the, the key play last night was in the eighth inning where Evan Russell hit that single to make it uh, a three-run game rather than a two-run game because you know, Georgia not no longer a bloop and a blast away from tying the game, and that kind of took the wind out of the Bulldogs' sails. Uh, but Jonathan Cannon will go tonight uh, for the Dogs. They have their A bullpen, so to speak, ready. Uh, guys like Jaden Woods, who's a hard-throwing lefty. Uh, Jack Gowan, who's a hard-throwing righty. <laughs> Those are their shut-down guys out of the bullpen. Uh, looks, look for Cole Tate to move up in the order. He batted seventh last night. Uh, as he becomes more healthy, he, he should move up uh, in the order as well. Uh, but looking ahead to Saturday's game as well, they're gonna the, the Vols will face a pitcher who's pretty different from Jonathan Cannon. Liam Sullivan, who's a lefty. Cannon's a righty. And Sullivan is kind of that Tom Glavin-esque junk baller, big curveball, uh, takes takes a lot off of the pitches to kind of outsmart hitters. And it, it'll be interesting to see how Tennessee adjusts from a power pitcher like Cannon to kind of a, a junk baller like Liam Sullivan Friday to Saturday. That 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 is what we struggle with, man. Well, we, we can If he throws 70 miles an hour or slower, he might pitch a perfect game. We cannot hit high school baseballs. And I don't, I don't mean to sound say that derogatorily, but like some of our games that we struggled the most have come against like Tennessee Tech, who have fifth year seniors who are up there throwing you know curveballs at sixty five miles an hour, and our our guys just have no idea how to hit it. It's like it was like watching Anthony Rizzo strike out Freddie Freeman last year. You know, it was just so different. No matter how good he was, he just couldn't he couldn't fight the you know, the, the muscle reflexes he's built up for the last 10 years. And that's kind of what it seems like the, t- the Tennessee team has gone through. So I can't speak to what Liam Sullivan pitches normally, but if he's got a, a slower off-speed pitch, he's going to eat our lineup. Yeah, the, the best comparison I have for him, his his best pitch is, is the Barry Zito curveball. Kind of that, not quite a 12-6, more of a, an 11-5, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's probably probably Georgia's Georgia's best chance to get a game in this series. Um, if, yeah. if Cannon can't if Cannon can't you know shut down the Vols tonight, uh, he has not. I will say he has not been quite himself since the injury. Uh, but he's a guy who's going to go out there and, and give it his all every time. Um, and 
I, I just I just kind of hope that the dogs can can get healthy for for NCAA tournament play. They're going to go to the tournament. Still kind of up in the air of, over whether they're going to host or not. Um, obviously, Tennessee is going to be the number one overall seed, uh, but selection Monday is Memorial Day traditionally in college baseball. Nice. So a couple more weeks. Uh, we've got uh, one more series next week. I think uh, Georgia plays Missouri in Athens to close the season before everyone heads to Hoover. Well, not not quite everyone. Uh, looking like Mississippi and Mississippi State, uh, Kentucky. One of two of those three teams are going to miss the conference tournament, but uh, Tuesday through next Sunday in Hoover, or two Sundays from now in Hoover, uh, that'll be uh, that'll be fun to watch. SC tournament is always a good time, and then the field comes out on Monday Memorial Day. Uh, I'm not sure off the top of my head what date that is because I don't like doing math. But but thirtieth or thirty first, whatever. All right, the last so, day and day. under that's a, that's an underrated day. That the selection show show for foot for. Uh, Basketball is a lot of fun, but I, I always put myself in front of the TV for that as well. And I'm sure a lot of Tennessee fans will this year too to see who they will be welcoming to Knoxville uh, the first yeah, weekend got, of I've, June. I've got that day off of work too, so uh, should be just one of those day, days to to veg out, uh, follow along on Twitter, see what everyone's saying. Um, but back to the series real quick. I'm really interested to see who Tennessee names as the Game 3 starter. Uh, has not been named yet. Um, just based off Chase Burns pitching in relief last night, I'm going to assume that's going to be Drew Beam, who has been probably our most consistent pitcher start to to, to finish so far or start until now uh, of this season um, to go up against Liam Sullivan. Uh, man, I th- this is just a for for Georgia where they are in their season. This has just been one of the more entertaining matchups to look at on paper. Um, because they, they, they have players that suggest that their team is better than their record. And I, I think as long as that, I, I believe that they're going to make it into the, you know, into regionals. Um, and as long as they get in, I think Georgia is a very dangerous team. As long as their pitching is healthy, come, uh, come, what is that? June? Yeah. June first weekend of June is region, regional round. Yeah. So I, I, I think Georgia is one of those teams to keep an eye on. I think they're, uh, you know, just some unfortunate injury bugs, and all all it takes is one or two of the guys on Georgia's team to get hot for them to have enough runs to to back up the the, the pitchers they have. Yeah, that that's absolutely true. Uh, and they're 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 a team that is dependent a lot on the long ball, and has been even more so because Cole Tate hasn't been in the lineup, and and he's the heart and soul of both their offense and their defense. Plays shortstop, captain of the offense or captain of of the defense out there. Um, there's not a double play ball. He can't turn. Uh, and he having him in the lineup, he's not one of those guys that only hits homers. He's one of the guys that can pretty much hit the ball anywhere he wants. And when one guy is like that is out of the lineup, it affects everybody one through nine. And I, you know, I've seen that firsthand with Georgia since I, I, I worked the games. And just you really just hope that he can he can be 100% for uh, the the um, the regional round because this is a team that, like you said, is really good when they're at full strength. Um, and looking ahead to the rest of this series, just from the bullpen, from George's perspective, I mentioned Gowan and uh, Jaden Woods. Uh, Will Pearson is another guy with great breaking stuff that uh, that I think we'll see, if not to today, then tomorrow. Um, and just Georgia knows when the all-in games are. I think today we will see Georgia go with that A bullpen. We'll see Jaden Woods, yeah. we'll see Jack Gowan cuz they're going to need to they're going to need to salvage a game out of this series. You can't get swept even by the number 1 team in the country. And you don't want to go into Saturday or in most cases Sunday down 0 and 2 
really needing a win with most of your pitchers used up. So I think with Cannon, Gowan, and Woods today, Georgia probably has the best chance that they have pound for pound in this series. Yeah, and t- Tennessee hasn't lost a, a, a third game of a series all year. So it's it's really, really hard to beat them once they've kind of settled in and and gotten you know a couple of pitches off of your your pitching staff. Um, I, man, it it's just one of those things where well, last night was so strange because I, I feel like if you, if you were coming into this as a Georgia, a Georgia supporter and you got the choice to just say, look, at worst, if we just concede five runs to the number one team in the country in their own building, we're going to be in a good spot. And that's what happened last night. And it still, it still didn't feel like a particularly close game. It never felt out of reach, but it, just never felt like there was that threat. Even the ending where Georgia had those two leadoff doubles, they still only got a run out of that inning. Um, so I, as much as we want to focus on the pitching, I just got to say, I, I don't really think that that matters if the lineups, it, it, Georgia's, I guess, right now, doesn't doesn't help. You know, two runs is not going to beat really anyone in the SEC, but especially not right now the best team in the country. And if you if you want a shot at that, yes, you have to limit what Tennessee does at the plate, but you you've got you got to help your pitchers. You got to yeah. you got to manufacture something. You got to you got to do something to get Tennessee uncomfortable. And while Tennessee wasn't particularly comfortable last night, I don't think they were ever worried about the game. No, that's that's pretty much the vibe we got from Scott Strickland's post game interview. Um, George just didn't string enough hits together, uh, yeah. and you know, you. you you went. You, they say in the, in the CV series, the wire. You come at the king, you best not miss. And Georgia, <laughs> Georgia might have had its B plus game last night, but you got to have your A game when you play Tennessee this year. Yeah, it's it, it's going to make for a hell of a, a next two games. Uh, I, I really wish this was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday series. Yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of the Thursday, Friday, Saturday stuff. Yeah, well, thank the fine folks at ESPN for that. Last night, last night's game was on the U. Today's game, five thirty Eastern, first pitch. SEC Network, and then tomorrow, 1 o'clock, that'll be SEC Network Plus. So uh, regular TV for tonight, and then back to online only for tomorrow. But I, I do like the 1 o'clock start, start time on a Saturday, I will say that. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's <laughs> so, true. As the, the horn sounds on quarter number two, as Georgia and Tennessee finish a weekend series coming up to halftime now. And just want to once again shout out our good friend Armand Kuchecki graduating from NC State University this past weekend. And I'm really, really proud of you. I would howl, but it's too early in the morning, and my throat is a little cold. not feeling it. There we go. There we go. Here, I'll, I'll do this. I'll do this. Soon. There we go. Congratulations, Armand. We hope to hope to get you on here for some NBA talk. Um, and no more Kucheckis at NC State. So the end of the true end of an era, as the last Kucheki steps off of campus in West Raleigh. What is that campus going to do? I don't know, man. I have no idea. But actually, actually, it's been 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 too long since I've actually been back on the campus. I'll need to need to. I I, I was in Raleigh last week, but I, I avoided campus area for obvious reasons. So I uh, didn't want to get caught up in all the graduation shenanigans. But halftime here on the right hash from the Nasser Alexander Kucheki Studios, and an appropriate segue because Nasser's. Perhaps favorite team other than the Washington Redskins was the Carolina Hurricanes. As we begin our third quarter, the Hurricanes coming up on Saturday, I believe, have a game seven in Raleigh against the Boston Bruins and a first round series in which every home team has or every the home team has won every game to this point. And 
it seems like every time the Canes get momentum bringing it up to Boston, the Bruins just throw it back in their faces. I, I didn't catch the game last night, but I knew that there, it was never really in doubt. Uh, Boston kind of dominated start to finish. Um, but it was the first time, I think, that the Bruins really kind of matched the, the Hurricanes' even strength. You know, so so much of this time early, so much of the series earlier, the Hurricanes dominated even strength, and the Bruins were really only gelling when they were on the power play. You know, last night the Bruins probably played the best game of their their best game of the series. I would say. Yeah, I, I would I would say just from uh, the, the Canes didn't take an inordinate amount of penalties last night like they did Game Four where they took nine. Um, f- funny stat: the home team has scored five in every single game of this series. Um, the Canes play like Tarzan when they're in PNC. They play like Jane when they're in TD Garden. There's not much else to say about that other than you know. The second best season in franchise history is going to be completely forgotten if they don't get out of this first round. Uh, Rod gets a lot of praise and deservedly so uh, for what he's done with his team, but he has he has a job to get them to the next level. Uh, and this team has looked less than inspired on every you know road game we've played so far. Uh, they played a little bit more disciplined last night, but what so much less aggressive. We were just we're not ourselves. We've been the aggressor when we've been at home, but our tail gets tucked between our legs when we go on the road. Um, all I'm going to say is the Stanley cup contender would have buried this average Boston team by now. Uh, we're not, a, we're not a contender. Uh, sad reality right now. Spetch and Ajo refuse to just take a step to becoming that league wide superstar. I guess they just want to stay a regional superstar. Um, and instead they just rather run up their stats on the regular season. And, you know, I, I don't know. I guess they want to go buy a Porsche or something like that from our good friend, Alex Roth. Uh, they, they, they don't look interested in winning on the road and, uh, thankfully they're going to have home ice advantage should they make it through this round, at least for next round. Um, I, I, I don't know, man, it, I've never seen a Jekyll and Hyde performance like this. And what's crazy is Boston's doing the same thing. Yeah. I, I don't know a ton about this Bruins team. I, I didn't know a ton about this Bruins team coming in, but I did know that Carolina is the better team. Uh, yeah. So you know, I, I, I thought this series would be over by now. Um, but one thing, uh, another friend of our program, Andrew Mulliken brought up uh, yesterday in reaction to, to the loss was when Boston's at home, they have last change. You know, when, when you're at home, you have last change and Boston has one of the top line ones in, in the NHL. Do you think that plays into it at all? Uh, I mean, the perfection line has certainly been an issue for us. The pastor knock Marshawn, uh, I forgot the other the other guy on that line, but um, it, for some reason they hadn't really run it together this year until this series, and lo, lo and behold, it snaps Brad Marchand's 15-game goalish streak that he had coming in, and he scored in every game that they've played in Boston. Uh, he, he actually, I think he's tied for like most points in the playoffs right now in, in this series, and they've pretty much exclusively all been in Boston. So uh, it, it's, it's just... It, you, you can tell the team that has been here before and and made it through, you know, over these hurdles, and you can tell the team that still has a lot of guys that are 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 not mentally ready for it. Um, I, I I think I think both teams have played poorly on the road. I, I think that's fair to say. But Boston's a worse team. They don't have anywhere near the depth the Canes do. Uh, they, they are down to this Jeremy Swayman guy who is was making his first playoff. Uh, game debut with uh, Piotr 
Kuchetkov uh, in game games game two, game three, w- one of those two that they both made their playoff debuts at the same time, uh, and we, we've made him once again look like a Vesna final finalist. Uh, I, I'm hoping the Canes just can do what they do at home and you know just. Get out of this one alive. Just make it to the next round. We'll figure it out from there. Just make it to the next round. And if they if they win, they would play the Pittsburgh winner of the Rangers, correct? Yep. And we, we would have home ice over either one of them. Uh, I'm praying for the Rangers. I think the Rangers are a better team, but they're a lot more similar to the Canes with their youth. And I think our youth is better than theirs right now. So I think that's a much more favorable matchup uh, as opposed to uh, – Freaking Sidney Crosby, who he's like he's like Tom Brady. He looks like an old man during the regular season, and the playoffs come around and he's twenty two again. Yeah, he's got it figured out. He just he knows when to turn it on. <laughs> like he conserves his energy. <laughs> and, and Evgeny Malkin is still that that dude. He he's not as much of a goal scorer as he was, but the dude still puts it on a silver platter for Crosby and Jake Gensel. Who Jake Gensel, by the way, is like top ten all time in. Uh, points percentage with a minimum of 50 playoff games. Um, he he gets a point. I want to. I think the stat was 58.4 uh, of his games in the playoffs. He has a point. Wow, and he's actually. I can say tell you he's one of the probably the most popular players in Pittsburgh, with, uh, other yeah. than Crosby, because uh, they, there's an ice cream place called Milkshake Factory in in Pittsburgh, and uh, they have the Jake Shake. <laughs> and they, they put they put a chocolate number fifty seven on top of it, which is I, I think is really cool. Um, as much as I dislike the Penguins, I, I love the the hockey culture that that you find in Pittsburgh. I was just about to say that I I hate Pittsburgh, but I love places like that that like they'll name their sandwiches after their players. You know, just where, where it's so embedded inside of their their culture. It's it's cool to see from just a tra- a sports traditionalist. Yeah, and and, and if you're, you ever find yourself in Pittsburgh, you got to go to Jerome Bettis's Grill Number Thirty Six, even if even even if just for a beer, you you gotta you gotta gotta stop in there. It's one of the coolest places I've been. Uh, but do I they have, do they have with, a with that. Will, will a bus drop you off? <laughs> a bu- there is a bus stop on the block. I should okay, you. Not. Okay, good. No, you, <laughs> it, it, you have to have the bus stop there somewhere. Yeah, you have to ride. You have to ride. The, you have to ride the bus there. Uh, but I would be remiss. Uh, here in this third quarter, if I did not mention my Washington Capitals, um, on the verge of letting the Florida Panthers win their first playoff series in 26 years, and man, just the the injuries, Tom Wilson not being available, uh, Vitek Vanacek, Vitek Vanacek, and uh, Samsonov just struggling in net. Uh, Washington was up two to one on home ice, uh, also up two to one in the game, and. Doinked an empty net shot, and then the Panthers scored one in overtime, and the Panthers won Game Five as well, coming back from a three nothing deficit. And boy, I, I just I, I I hate to say it, I, th- I think the Caps are cooked, man. I think the Caps are cooked. I mean, the, the the Panthers are the best team in in the the league this year. Yep, you know it's 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 just what it is. They 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 were good. I mean, that they were they were great even going into the trade deadline. Um, and that, that they went out and they added some. They added some players. They added Ben. Uh, I don't know how to say his last name. Shiaro, Shiaro, um, but a, a massive defenseman they've added to go alongside with Lucas Carlson, Gustav Forsling. Um, they they've got a they've got a great team. Aaron Ekblad, um, a fantastic team. Honestly, 
it's hard for me to tell you how to feel as a fan, but I, I just feel like you should you should feel at least proud of what the Capitals have been able to put up against this Panthers team because that but this Panthers team and the Avalanche team were the only two teams that I thought were better than, than the Canes coming into this playoffs and uh, well at least those two are at least looking good. Um, <laughs> that the, the, the Caps have made them look human though, and I think the rest of the playoff field should the Caps not overcome the Panthers. The rest of the playoff field, whoever has to play the Panthers next, are really going to thank them because the Capitals are an extremely physical team. They're big. They beat you up. They they bring the Panthers game to them. I mean, I'm looking at the Panthers defensemen. Every single one of them is six foot or bigger. Uh, they're, they have big defensemen. They have big forwards, especially Barkov at 6'3". That guy's massive. Um, the, the Capitals are doing everyone a huge favor by making this series last longer and wearing down the Panthers. Yeah, I mean, it, one of those things where if you told me we'd take them to six games before the series started, I'd probably be probably be cool with that. It's just yeah. how it happened, man. Like, sure. So close to taking a three-to-one lead in the series. Um, and it, it just, just you know, just fumbling the bag, as they say, <laughs> as the kids are that, saying these days. That's, that's the funny thing about hockey. It, it's played on ice with a, a circular piece of vulcanized rubber. L- literally just a weird bounce here or there can change the entire series, and yeah. that can still happen for, for Washington. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're playing at home tonight in front of the home fans. Really, really good atmosphere. Um, so if, if they can salvage a game seven, anything can happen, but – Momentum you, definitely you, with the Florida Panthers. You have the best hockey player that's played in our lifetime. Yep. You know, I I, I know he's a gray-haired Russian spy now, but uh, <laughs> he, he, he is still just, man, if he gets to that spot between the two circles on the right side of the, on the left side of the goal, it's an instant goal every single time. I don't know how no one stops it. Yeah, I mean, it's like Pey- like when Peyton Manning decided he was going to throw a touchdown, he's throwing a touchdown. You know, like, yeah. like it's yeah. the same kind of thing. Like, you're not stopping him from scoring if he decides he's scoring. He's he's just so uh, – as much as I hate Alexander Ovechkin, I love Alexander Ovechkin. Yeah, he's that kind, that kind of player, definitely. I can definitely see why uh, non-Cavs he's, fans would dislike him, but also it, like him as a hockey fan. That that's that's what differentiates him and Sidney Crosby. Like you never see Ovechkin whining. I re- I remember um, the the Washington Carolina series from two three years ago. Um, yeah, twenty nineteen. Yeah. Yes, me and Barlow went to game uh, game three. What whatever the first game in the building was. I think it was game three for us. Um, and Andre Svechnikov decides to pick a fight with Alexander Ovechkin, and. In about three seconds, Alexander Ovechkin hits him with the right hook and just puts Fetch on the ice. We wound up winning that game five to one, but it was just one of those things where Svechnikov is very similar size to Ovechkin. Actually, a lot of his comparisons in his career have been to Ovechkin because of that. And just to watch this guy who, I mean, we're talking about he's probably five years from retirement to knock out the number one overall pick from last year and it not even be a fight. It was one of those things you just couldn't even be mad at as a fan. It's like, just, damn, I hope Ovechkin doesn't find me after the game. Yeah, Osvechkin. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, Osvechnikov. You, you can't spell Svechnikov without all of the words from all of the letters from Ovechkin. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Sounds a little bit Irish, too. Osvechnikov. It, it, it's like that, uh, it's like that, uh, the Chamber of Secrets reveal where he's like, my name's 
I am Lord Voldemort, and it turns into like Tom Riddle, <laughs> Tom, Tom, Riddle. Tom Riddle. Riddle. <laughs> it's it's kind of the same thing where they're just kind of the same dude. It seems like the yeah. reincarnation, so yeah. to speak. Smetch is fun to watch, man. Smetch is a lot yeah. of fun to watch. I like this Hurricanes team a lot. I think they're going to have a solid core for years to come. Uh, but yeah, I think they just got good dudes. There's yeah. no no douchebags on this team, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, I take that back. There is one massive douchebag on this team, but he is leading the team in points in the playoffs right now, Tony D'Angelo. Yeah. So unless you're, unless you're Don Cherry, then the whole then the whole team's douchebags, right? Or a bunch a bunch of jerks. Thank, <laughs> thank you, Don Cherry, for putting us on the map. <laughs> and I will say, I close this hockey segment by saying. The 2018 Stanley Cup is still fresh in my mind. The Caps are playing with house money. Yeah, man. In my, in my view, until like 2028, like they can go 0 and 82 every year, and like okay, whatever. I can watch 20, 2018 highlights. You got a cup out of Ovechkin, which is what you bare minimum had to do with his career. So. I, I still have the video on my phone of me just videoing the TV where it's just him skating around, holding up the cup, just like screaming, like literally. You, you're seeing a man get exactly what he wants. Like, you see what happens to a man when he gets exactly what he wants. All Ovi wanted was the cup. He deserved it, too. There has not been a guy who has been deserving of a cup that didn't have one like Ovechkin up until that point. Oh, yeah. 100%. He is the reason a lot of folks watched hockey, got into hockey. Yeah. I mean, he's like Tom Brady. Remember we say, like, Tom Brady works at football? That dude works at hockey. That dude literally, hockey is his life. I I, I miss miss, life. I miss his This Is Sports Center uh, <laughs> uh, commercials too, where he's like popping out of the ceiling like a Russian spy. Yeah, he's got like <laughs> like the, the, the Terminator hood from his eyes. <laughs> yeah, ex- oh, excellent content from Ovi. Oh man, was, those ESPN commercials were gold. I, I missed those. I definitely missed those. As the horn sounds yeah. on on quarter number three, period number three, if you will. Um, as we move on, oh, no, it's not later. over. Yeah, so the later stages of our show, we are definitely not done. We have the grinder coming up for quarter number four. And this, like many grinders, evolved out of an on off-air text conversation, uh, just of, you know, random sports stuff that we we talk about here at the right hash when we're not recording. And we talked about jerseys, sports jerseys, NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, soccer, college, any kind of jerseys, really. This is sort of a kind of an open-ended. Uh, Jersey discussion here in the grinder, but uh, where I'll start is wearing jerseys to games. Do you ever see people who are wearing jerseys of teams that aren't participating in the game? Does that drive you as crazy as it drives me? Uh, no, because I've been that guy a ton of times. Uh, I, I, maybe maybe not with jerseys, but I've I've worn Tennessee gear to NC State football games more times than I can count. Okay, that's um, that's a little different. That's a little different. This is well, not a that, jersey. Uh, but I, I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it's just kind of like op, uh, opposing, not opposing team, just uh, an uninvolved team's gear is is what I've worn. Uh, as far as wearing jerseys, like, I, d- I don't really care what people do. I just personally don't really, if it's a collegiate event, I don't wear college players' jerseys anymore now that I'm older than them. When I was younger than them, I definitely did. And I don't look down on anyone who wears them if they're older than, you know, the kids in college. But it's just to, – to, to me, it feels just a little strange um, wearing a college kid's jersey to a college event. So I typically roll with a polo. But, um, no, I, I I can't I can't say that I've personally seen jerseys like that outside of maybe, you know, hockey games where, uh, you know, you, you'll get especially, – especially here – 
you, you get Rangers fans who just go to the Hurricanes because it's hockey. You get Bruins fans who do that just because it's hockey and it's here. And th- they'll wear their Rangers or their Bruins jerseys. Um, but I, I don't see it in football. Yeah, and I think hockey is hockey is a sport where I've seen more non-player jerseys. Literally just jerseys with the logo with no player name on the back. I see a lot yeah. of those in hockey more than probably any sport. Um, I have one. Yeah. I've, I've, I actually don't own any hockey sweaters, mainly because they're so expensive and I just haven't gotten around to buying one. Uh, the, but the ones, the ones without names on the back are like 40 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I, I, I like, I think I would like to have a, have a name on the back. Cause I don't, I don't buy into the whole, like you're wearing another man's name on your, on, on your clothes. Like, I, I, so what, like, who cares about that? Like I was talking, talking to you about my friend's dad who still rocks his Chad LaRose Jersey to every game. When was the last time Chad LaRose played for the Hurricanes? Like, that's how you know someone's legit. Yeah, 2009. If you're rocking a, a Rutu, a Ray Whitney, Eric Cole, the, the those are the – my favorite one that I see at Canes games every single time I point it out. I, I try to go give the person a handshake or a fist bump. Bates Battaglia. Probably what my favorite Hurricanes jersey to see. <laughs> if you have a Bates Battaglia jersey, I know you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to, I have worn Hurricanes jerseys to Hurricanes games before with like, with Nasser. Uh, he, he had several that he let me borrow. I think, I think he had one that uh, didn't have a name on the back, but I think he also had a Cam Ward jersey that I knew, I know I wore to one game, I think was yep. against, I think was against uh, the, the Rangers or something. Uh, the, but, the, the white Cam Ward jersey, I can picture it because he wore yeah. that thing everywhere. <laughs> um, um, and the Eric Stahl jersey, of course. Yeah, of course the Eric Stahl. I think, I think every Hurricanes fan for about a span of 10 years had an Eric Stahl jersey. Or, or a I, jersey I have one, for that matter. I, I have one, but that was uh, that was a, a size or two ago. <laughs> uh, football, I think, is probably the sport I have the most jerseys of or have had the most jerseys of mm-hmm. uh, going back. My first jersey was actually a college jersey when I was about 11 or 12. Uh, it was Matt Schaub for Virginia. It didn't have his name on the back, but it was a white number seven Virginia jersey, and it had it was that was Matt Schaub's number. Uh, so I, I wore that one a lot. Uh, my first Redskins jersey was, believe it or not, Sean Springs, and it was okay. actually my it was my mom's jersey, but she she just kind of passed it down to me. Uh, which was the twenty four. I, I had a Champ Bailey jersey, but then we traded him like two weeks after I got it, so I don't really consider that one my first jersey. Uh, but the Sean Springs was the first one I really wore to school, wore in public. Um, going back to, I think it was probably 12 or 13 when I first wore that jersey. Great defensive back name, yeah, Sean Springs. And, and a local guy, too. He was from the D.C. area, so he was he was a guy I was proud to proud to rock with, with the Redskins. My, my first one, very similar to yours, I had an orange number 16 Tennessee jersey, Peyton Manning. Um, uh, my first college jersey, I mean, my first pro jersey, at least for NFL, uh, it was probably one that I bought uh, in mid two thousands. Number eighteen, Peyton Manning, Indianapolis Colts jersey. Um, I, I've had every Peyton Manning jersey that he's worn. Basically, I've even got an alternate black Peyton Manning jersey that they never wore uh, that I got special for one Christmas. Um, I and to, to to go to your point as well, I have no problem with people wearing jerseys. You know, where would you want to wear? I I own, but I only wear professional players jerseys. Per- personally, that's just kind of how I got after I was older than the, the college players. Yeah, that definitely makes sense, and it's 
it's it's that's sort of something I've been dealing with over the last few years. Like, man, most of the guys who play in the NFL are younger than us now. Like, uh, most of the guys yeah. who play hockey are that, younger than us now. You know, it, it's funny because that that's like a note I took here. I like I know it could be seen as a contradictory stance because I bought a Trevor Lawrence jersey as soon as he got drafted to the Jaguars, and you know he's the same age as the players in college. Um, but it, it I don't know. It just feels a little bit different to me. Maybe it will feel different when the NIL stuff finally lands and they can sell, like, like when Tennessee can sell a Nico Iamaliava jersey with his name on the back and it's stitched and, you know, he's making $8 million or whatever to play here. Maybe it will feel a little bit different when they're not, you know, they're not going to feel like kids anymore when they're getting paid. They're going to feel more like adults, more like professionals. And maybe my mind will be able to wrap around that a little bit better and maybe I'll start wearing some collegiate jerseys. Yeah. Now wearing jerseys to places that are not sports related. Again, I, I do this anyway because I'm a sports nut. Do you run into people with a negative opinion of this? Oh, I, there's, oh. there's some places that are like, like some restaurants are like other places that are like no sports jerseys. It's part of their dress code. I don't go any, I've never been anywhere that's been that way. Um, I, I, I've been out like n- normally if I go out on like uh Saturday morning to go do some grocery shopping or just run some errands, I'll toss on a Jersey that that's, that's most likely when I'm going to wear a Jersey. If I'm not going to, you know, a sports bar to watch something sports related. Um, and you know, you, you can catch a straight eye here or there, but like who, who the hell cares? You don't even know who Alan Hearns is. What are you, what are you raising your eye about? It's a Jaguars Jersey. Sure. Probably the first one you've seen in the wild, but other than that, you know, stop looking at me. I, there's plenty of reasons, I guess, to look at me as I walk through a store. So maybe it's not a jersey, but uh, I, th- th- there are definitely people who are very stuck up and snooty about that stuff. <laughs> the game day jersey in the store is sort of the classic, like, American football fan thing. Yeah, like, man. I, 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 I then talking about my Sean Springs jersey. That was the, that was the jersey I used to wear to the grocery store with my mom when we would get snacks in the morning before uh, before a one o'clock Redskins kickoff so like I, and, and I still do this I, I put on my I have I have the Jordan Reed jersey which I still wear occasionally and my, my gamer so to speak is the the throwback Sean Taylor uh, jersey that my girlfriend actually got me last year uh, can never go wrong with that one so that's that's the one I've been wearing on game days um, but I, I, I go to the grocery store in the mornings rock my 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 jersey for game day, and it, I always hope it brings me good mojo. It doesn't always bring me good mojo, but I'm going to believe that it does. Uh, that's, Plus, that's an essential tradition of the, of game day. It's, it's just one of those things that just puts you in the mindset of shopping, I mean, uh, of, of football for that day. Like, you go out, and you might not even be thinking about the jersey, but just in your peripheral vision as you're looking around, you're going to catch yourself in the jersey, and it's just going to subconsciously put you in that mood for for football the rest of the day it's it's something you can't explain to people who have who don't experience it um but it it definitely definitely has an effect on on football people uh or or sports people whatever jersey you're wearing yeah and yeah i i see i'm not definitely not the only one in those stores that uh, on sunday mornings he's wearing a jersey um or similar to like um like if you're walking to the, you know, you park in a parking lot and you're walking to the arena and you like, you can, sometimes I can kind of count how many people are wearing the same jersey as I am walking to the arena, like at a, a state game or a Hurricanes game or, or a baseball game or wherever. Um, so that, that's that's I, always fun. 
I've noticed hockey and baseball seem to actually anything but football seem more likely for people to wear jerseys to their actual games. Football, for some reason, you you see a lot more team gear worn than jerseys. Maybe it's because jerseys are so fucking expensive to get real ones with real names on the back. But um, I, I see I see a lot more like sideline gear at football games than I do at hockey, baseball or basketball games. Yeah, and the NFL makes so much more of that stuff available to fans than yeah, the other leagues true. do, I think. Uh, yeah. You can buy the draft hats. You can buy the coats that the coaches wear on uh, on the sidelines, uh, stuff like that. I remember when, when Nasser and I set up the locker room for the Redskins in Arizona in 2016, they, they were like, y'all can take a pair of gloves if you want. You know, y'all can take a hat if you want, uh, stuff like that. Uh, so I think it'd be cool to see you know see more like more merchandise like that in the other leagues. Yeah. Um, I, I love baseball jerseys too, the button ups. I, I, mm-hmm. I was obsessed with those for a while. I had a, a Nationals one that didn't have a name on the back, um, but I, I always liked the the batting practice uniforms and then the game uniforms. I always wanted one of each. Um, but I think you're right. Yeah, like there's a lot of jerseys at baseball games, and I think the Braves launched a line of jerseys with like gold trim because of the yeah. championship. Yeah, oh, I mean that that would have been cool to get get your hands on. I, I so baseball is the only sport I don't own a jersey of. I own a couple of jerseys. Um, my most recent purchase was right after the World Series. I bought a Freddie Freeman jersey. So, um, good good job, Alex. That, that will be <laughs> that will be a keepsake for years to come for sure. Um, yeah, I I I am intend I intend on buying a baseball jersey, but it's just the sport that I like the least out of the major four. I think. Um, at, at least as far as wa- watching it intently, I, I I really haven't watched Braves baseball yet this year. If I'm being completely honest, and it's just because it's <laughs> it's it's May first off, but <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It, it's just really really hard to watch it until uh, for me until like around the All Star game. I I need there to be something on the line. I need to have an idea of who the, who who the threats are and who I don't really need to worry about in the in the National League East. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of the same way. I've been a lot more into the college game. Um, and I think that's part, partly because I haven't been to a game yet. Usually I have to go to an MLB game before I can get like super into it for the season. I just yeah. haven't had a chance to do that yet. Um, I, I'm sure I will uh, as this summer goes along. Um, to to but, you, I, ha- I have a, a – this is actually from your notes, but I'm going to present it to you. All right. Um, do, do you have a preference on – white jerseys or the, the, the i guess traditional home color jerseys um do, do you have a, a favorite of either um you know l- l- lament on that for a second so I, I like a good balance um one of my jerseys that i had in college was brian arakpo for washington that was white uh, my sean springs jersey was burgundy um and uh my sean taylor jersey is burgundy and my jordan reed jersey is burgundy uh but I've had I had the white Brian Arakpo jersey. I also had a burgundy Robert Griffin the third jersey. Oh boy, I haven't worn that in a long time. Uh, and then a Liddell Betts throwback jersey, which is actually autographed nice. on the number and and all is also white. So I have what I I think four or five burgundy jerseys over the years and two white jerseys. So I I don't like have a strong preference one way or another, but I do believe in balance. Um, I think if you're a Cowboys fan, most cow most Cowboys fans only buy the white jerseys because they believe in the jinx or whatever. Uh, but I think as long as you as long as you kind of get the good get the range, you know, you th- I got the current burgundy, the current white, and I also got a throwback burgundy. So I, I think I come down pretty solidly on get get a little bit of everything. 
because you know if if I wear a burgundy jersey for one game and we lose by forty, I, I got to switch it up for the next game, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. First off, that's a real thing. The the what what you do at home mojo definitely affects what happens at the game. I've believed that for a long time. It's a butterfly effect thing to me, where even the smallest thing can can make the giantess ripple across everything, and it can affect that game. So. Keep your superstitions going, everybody. They do make a difference. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Um, for for me, the the only white jersey I own is a Sean Taylor Redskins jersey because I think it looks so freaking clean. Um, I uh, probably the reason I don't own white jerseys is because usually whenever I'm watching sports or wearing it, I'm also like eating wings, and that's a great way to destroy a jersey. So I try to yes. just. I, I, I try to wear the home jerseys because it just, especially the Jaguars, they're all black. I can get them messed up and you can't see it. Um, I don't really have a preference of, of home or away jerseys. It just kind of depends how it's done. Uh, the biggest example here is I think LSU's home jerseys are probably the cleanest concept of a white home jersey in football. And yes, Cowboys fans, I'm aware you do it too. They just do it way better. Um I like throwback jerseys as long as they throw back to something cool. Uh, I'll have something on the, that in a minute, yeah. <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers failed to do this with their prison Bumblebee throwbacks. Um, probably the worst uniform in football, in my opinion. Uh, not, not to be outdone by how bad that throwback Packers jersey is as well. Um, oh, the, the blue one with the circle? The circle. Oh, the yeah. Stupid like, what circle. Is that? What, is the, what even is that? I, I have no idea, man. They're like, uh, anyone got access to Microsoft Paint? Make us something and we'll throw it on a jersey. Uh, while I'm primarily football focused when it comes to jerseys, my favorite non-Tennessee jersey of all time is the purple T-Mac Vince Carter Raptors jersey. Oh. Second place for me is the purple 90s Mighty Ducks jerseys. Uh, pur- purple jerseys just for me stand out. It's my second favorite color. No other team on the planet uses the PMS 151 orange like Tennessee, and that's the only orange that I really like. Like, I, I don't care for the Broncos orange. Uh, I don't I don't care for the Suns orange. None of that stuff. Give me Tennessee orange or give me purple. And I really, really like uh, the that Mighty Ducks jersey, man. It's the, the teal one, too. Just that old logo. Yeah. Oh, the nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, speaking of nostalgia, I one sport we haven't talked about is basketball, ex- except when you mentioned the T Mac jersey, the Vince Carter jersey. Uh, but I, I what a, one I collect. I don't know about collect, but I have three currently basketball jerseys of famous players, famous NBA players before they played in the NBA. So they're kind of like throwbacks. Yeah, they they are throwbacks. So I have I have Drazen Petrovic's jersey from his club in Croatia. I have a Vlade Divac jersey from. Uh, his the Yugoslavia national team uh, from the early '90s. That's white. The Drazen Petrovic jersey is royal blue, and I also have a gold Wake Forest Tim Duncan jersey with the name on the back, uh, just because Tim Duncan was probably the first basketball player I remember watching play. Just regardless of any team, uh, he's kind of my first favorite player. Now that I live in Winston Salem, I was like, I, I can, I can, I can spend money on this. Uh, so that's that. That one is that. kind of my pride and joy. But I, uh, but I also, I don't really wear those out in public. I wear the. I'll wear the Vlade Divac jersey and the Petrovic jersey out in public, but I, 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 I know better than to than to wear another school's jersey in public, even if it is Tim Duncan. So that one just kind of stays around yeah. the house. I, I, I really like that. 
that concept and it's not something that I am particularly enamored with, but there is one player that I would love to have a jersey of that fits kind of in that category you're talking about. And I want an old Spartak St. Petersburg Andre Kirilenko jersey. Oh, oh yeah, dude, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like that's yeah, exactly it, the kind of like route I'm trying to go here. I, I want to I've seen the pictures of what you have and it, it kind of dawned on me. I was like, you know, Andre Kirilenko did play overseas for like his first four or five years before he made it to the NBA. And then yeah. he, he went back for a year too, I believe. Um, and K- Kirilenko was just one of those really fun players to watch when he was in the league. So I, I, I love me an AK 47 Jersey. Another one I want is the Yao Ming Shanghai Sharks, jersey, <laughs> which I've looked up as it's actually not that expensive. Uh, I don't know if I should, wear it though because i'm not seven foot five in chinese but i don't know man. Yeah. That, that's a, another kind of up that alley of you know famous nba players before they played in the nba yeah that, um, that, that that's a cool concept I, I'm, I might steal that off of you and go get me an ak-47 <laughs> if i can i think if i can find one in my size who so who uh, i think armon is in possession of the tj warren jersey that uh that nasser bought uh senior year as a graduation present to himself that was a Another sentimental jersey, T.J. Warren, uh, a player that was very important to to us our senior year, uh, both with the NC State basketball team and the, the Pack City project. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad Tony Buckets' jersey is represented in, in the Wright Hash family. And with basketball, it's kind of about players. It's not so much about the team. I'm a Wizards fan, but there aren't yeah. really any Wizards players that I want the jersey of right now. Uh, so I, I kind of stick with players that I like. Uh, just individual cool stories like that, like the the Tim Duncan thing. Yeah, I I like the um, oh, wh- which jersey is it for you guys? I think it's uh, it's a Wizards jersey, not not the old one. Um, you have one that says like the city across the front. It's like a whiteout jersey. Yeah, the, di- the district. Yeah, the district. the district. Yeah, dude, that is a that is a fire jersey. The district jersey is so sick. The the one that's all white though. Yeah, because I I know they have one that's like uh, red shoulders and then blue like torso. Yeah, but I like the one I'm talking one about also. is that that all white one. Between that and the Miami Heat's recent Miami Vice jerseys have been like my two favorite NBA modern jerseys. Yeah, and and it, the the other leagues other than the NFL are all so much less restrictive about uniforms than they are uh, than the NFL is. So. In the NFL, you have all these rules, and they're finally changing that helmet rule, so teams can have different helmets now. Uh, yeah. and, and in the and meanwhile, in the NBA, you've got teams wearing different uniforms every night, and in, in Major League Baseball, you've got teams coming out with like City Connect uniforms, like like you see in the NBA. And and, and I mean it, that has an effect. I mean I, that definitely has to have an effect on merchandise and like how you sort of grow the game, so to speak. I I wish basketball would kind of limit the colors that teams could use because there have been games this year where I turn it on and it takes me like four or five minutes to figure out who's wearing what it's like watching a boxing match and trying to figure out which fighters wearing what color trunks that corresponds up top. Like I, I think I watched a, um, a, a Warriors Clippers game this year and the Warriors were wearing red and the Clippers were wearing like black. And I, I just, I had no idea what was going on. I, I would love if the NBA could just kind of like reel that in a bit and maybe give each team a color palette of five or seven <laughs> colors they can choose from and make it from there. 
But yeah, you should you shouldn't have the, all the colors of the rainbow to make your primary jerseys out of. Yeah, and I was just well, I just thought back to another jersey that I, I had is too small for me now. Uh, I think it was a hand me down from one of my cousins, but it's a David Robinson Team USA Dream Team jersey. Oh man, I just I just I can't believe I forgot that yeah. I had that one once upon David a time. Um, and a couple others that I I've remember having. Um, I had a Carmelo Anthony Nuggets jersey. I bought that his rookie year. Uh, because nice story time back back when I was in middle school, it was almost like your status was determined by the NBA jerseys you had. That was just kind of how of things worked at my middle school. And somebody already had LeBron James. I was like, I can't get LeBron James, but nobody's got Carmelo, so I'm going to get Carmelo. And then I also another hand me down from my cousins was a Pistons Bad Boys era Grant Hill jersey, which uh. I wore. I wore until I outgrew that one too. I don't have much basketball, but I went through a phase where I bought a couple. I've got a, a Russell Westbrook orange Thunder jersey. Um, I have a DeMar DeRozan black Raptors jersey. I have a LeBron James Cleveland burgundy jersey, probably one of the last in existence. I think the rest have been burned. Um, and I have a blue Clay Thompson Warriors jersey, which is the one that I wear the most. Um, Naturally. Mainly – Mainly just because it's got my fucking name on the back. Uh, but he's <laughs> also my favorite NBA player. So uh, two birds there. And then I, from football, I own like three or four Alan Hearns jerseys, a Leonard Fournette jersey, uh, uh, Jalen Ramsey, and now Trevor Lawrence. Do you ever and get I, mistaken? I think, Do you ever get mistaken for Clay out in public? Uh, no, but I, 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 he's called my cousin at work. They call him my cousin, <laughs> cousin Clay. I still have, cousin Clay still hasn't sent me a birthday card, so he's not in there yet. Yeah, I mean, you'd think he'd cut you a bit of a check from his contract, like you do for family, right? I mean, I, I wear his jersey. I don't see him wearing mine. See, that's the thing about my name is there's nobody in my name who plays sports, so I can't be like my cousin, like whatever this athlete's name is. It's one of the one of the worst parts about having a goofy name like like mine or like Kuchecki is you just don't. But you just don't have but, that. But you get to hear your name chanted at games if anyone has the name Luke, like Luke Luke, Luke C is for Tennessee. Yes, they, and it they sounds like Luke. Sounds like they're the booing me, which I love. Well, I've always loved that. <laughs> Luke, <laughs> like when the I, I always love when the announcer always has to clarify, like those are not boos you're hearing. Like if there's a player named Luke or Bruce or like even when Heath Miller would catch passes for the Steelers, just the the way the fans would scream. It sounded like they were booing on TV, like Heath. Or d- d- don't forget my favorite of probably all of those, Coon yeah. in uh, Green Bay, John Coon, and his not, not quite as his not quite as successful successor, Aaron Ripkowski. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's a hard one to get a crowd unison on. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be a good jersey to have on the right hash, though. Rip Ripkowski, John. Oh, Aaron Ripkowski, what'd you yeah, say his name? Aaron Ripkowski. Aaron. And then John John Coon, yeah, one of the one of the one of the biggest fan favorites in NFL history. I, I don't know anyone who didn't like John Coon. I feel, I feel like he was almost one of those originators of that concept of the that chant. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like who was the first person I ever heard that for. I think it might have been like Bruce Bowen for the Spurs back in the day, like San Antonio the crowd Bruce. yelling Bruce. I mean, I've been to four Springsteen shows, so I've I've been part of that crowd 
sounding like they're booing before. And it's, and it's just one of my, one of the funniest little things that happens in sports from time to time is you think somebody is getting booed, but they're really just chanting his name. And it's, <laughs> it's just, it just makes me laugh every time. <laughs> and, and it's a, it's amazing how just like a crowd of people know what to do whenever a person's name has that ooze sound in it. Like, uh, yeah. uh what, my favorite hockey player, Derek Bugard, you, that used to be the same thing for, for him in Minnesota. You hear the boo. I mean, and literal boos for him, but, uh, they, they were they were you know yeah, supportive booze. Chris Cooley. Now that I'm remembering for Cooley, yeah. yep, same thing would happen. So man, that might that might need to be the, the next grinder is like goofy call and response chants or yell you know cheers for for fans at sporting events. Oh man, <laughs> I, I, since we've been watching Premier League soccer, there's a whole lot of those now that I I've, yeah. I've started to pick up on. Yeah, I mean, talk about it. Talk about a sport that gets the fans engaged, man. So I, I we might have to do a show from a from a Premier League game one day. <laughs> five to one, five <laughs> to one, fifty thousand empty seats. It's five to one. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I love soccer chants. Dude. That They're is amazing. So good. Oh man, is that anything else on the jersey front before we uh we we wrap things up here on this episode of the Right Hash? No, um, I I would love to hear what jerseys folks, uh, our listeners, uh, love to wear, what some of their their personal pride pieces are, um, and which ones they wear, where they wear them. I want to hear what our listeners have to say on the subject. Yeah, like, do you have have a gamer? Do you have one that you just wear around the house because it's dirty and gross and you don't want anyone to see it in you? Do you have, is, is, is there a player that's not on your favorite team that you've ha- always had a jersey for because you you like that player? So give us a shout, follow us, send us a message at the right hash on Twitter or the right hash at gmail.com with your answer to that question. We also, are, of course, a show of the people. We have launched an Instagram page as well at the right hash pod on Instagram. Give us a follow there. We post the link most of the time to the new episodes there. <laughs> if we remember that, that that's, that's still part of the process that we're trying to make second nature, but um, we are over there now. still trying to figure out a little bit of the ins and outs of the platform, but um, we are on Instagram now and ho- hope to use that as a, an engagement portal um, a little bit more heavily going forward as well. Uh, maybe looking into getting a TikTok soon. If you guys would like some of the, you know, some of that similar TikTok sports stuff where you go through lists or we have a quick challenge that we talk about, um, you know, rankings, that type of thing. Uh, if you guys would enjoy that, please let us know as well. Yeah. So let us know, give us feedback, anything you heard about in today's show, not just jerseys. Any, you know, got any thoughts on the Stanley cup playoffs? Got any thoughts on NFL free agency? Uh, let us know who, if you, if you'd like Odell Beckham on your team, let, let us know. We, 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 we'd love to hear who really wants him because we have no I idea would, where, where he's going to go. So I would like Odell Beckham on my team. I, I Well, I mean, if we could afford him, I would, but we, we can't afford him. So I'm not even thinking about it, but even with his injury, he probably would have been wide receiver two last year for us. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I, I, I think I, I have a feeling he'll be the next guy to get signed. I just, I kind of have a feeling that he's not going to stay, stay off our roster for too long. Um, as he we, can't be worse than LaVisca Chenault. <laughs> no, definitely not. As we uh, as we come to a conclusion here on the right hash, enjoy the weekend, enjoy all the sporting events, and enjoy the nice weather. I think we're supposed to get for for a lot of the weekend. It's been it's been been a little rainy here in North Carolina over the last week or so, um, but uh, I, I I like the warm weather. I, I it's 
perfect baseball weather. Uh, so always makes me happy when when the sun's out. So uh, Alex, thanks for joining me. I know you've got a, got a bit of a drive this this weekend coming up. So uh, Godspeed, safe travels, and hopefully this episode will be posted by the time you uh, you, you get in the car. <laughs> That yeah, that that would be sweet. I'm gonna get in the car in about ten minutes. You think you okay? Can well, maybe well, maybe not. Maybe not that. But <laughs> maybe but maybe by the time you you cross the border into Tennessee, this uh, you might okay. be able to listen to the right hash on your uh, on your drive. So that that'll be great. I'll get to hear myself and you talk again. <laughs> yeah. So thanks a lot again for listening. Thanks for joining us, and we will have another show for you next week. Again, we hope hope to get Armand Kuchecki on to talk some NBA as those playoffs ratchet up. Uh, conference conference finals taking shape, which is I know I said I start paying attention in the conference semis, but I really start paying attention to the conference finals. So yeah. looking forward to that. Also looking forward to the Stanley Cup heating up as well as May moves along. On Great time of sports, the man. right hash. Great time for sports, and we've got it all covered for you. We we ain't ever gonna stop talking about it. Uh, so Alex, any any final thoughts before we before we put this one to bed? Nope. Just have a, have a great weekend, everyone. And uh, thanks for your continued listening and support. And uh, make sure to share with your friends who uh, would like this content. And we're always looking for new grinder topics. As you can tell, the longest segment we did today was about fucking jerseys. So, uh, <laughs> so sh- shoot us your off the wall, off top, kind of off topic stuff. We love to talk about that. All right. And once again, give us a follow at the right hash on Twitter, at the right hash pod on Instagram, or shoot us an email if you prefer that way. The right hash at gmail.com. This has been today's episode. We will talk to you next time.